working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie. You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH, The Flush. Hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Thrashenkill, and you're listening to another thrilling episode of The Toilet of Hell Radio Show. I'm joined today uh, with my left-hand man, right-hand man, I guess. Yeah, I think it's the, right, the right's the good one, right? They're both good. Yeah. You kind of want both we, hands. We want left-hand for uh, for that death metal, right? Left-hand The left-hand path, path yeah. I guess we can say, for this month. Okay, well... This guy, he's he's like the you know he's the golden boy. He's good. He'd be the right hand path. So uh, the, my right hand man. I'm talking, of course, about 365 days of horror, or as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing? I am good. I am ready to do the monster mash. Fuck yeah, dude! Like, uh, you know, uh, Andrew. I'll go ahead and spoil it. On our left hand path, we have Andrew Lee from Rip to Shreds. Andrew, how are you doing? Yo, what's up, everyone? Um, I'm doing pretty good. So every year that we do these uh, these Halloween episodes, we started off with the Monster Mash, and nothing gets me more fucking amped than like you know hearing the chains go and you know thinking about pumpkins or whatever dancing in a graveyard. It's fucking awesome. I love that shit. <laughs> uh, so Andrew, uh, you know, uh, I think we've we've mentioned uh, your your work on the Toil of Hell uh, a time or two. I think folks are familiar with uh, Rip to Shreds, uh, which. Gosh, uh, I think we first covered back in uh, 2018 or so. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys were the first site to feature our music. Actually, we're ahead of the curve. Incredible. Um, and you know that's that's good. Uh, you've got you've got a new record coming out on uh, on relapse. Uh, do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, we got. New record, Tribian, coming out on October 14th. Um, eight songs, uh, eight songs of death metal, grindcore, you know, all that good shit. We love that. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, everyone, of course, says their newest is their best. But of course, you know, this is <laughs> our best record yet. Um, lots of solos, lots of melody, lots of riffs, um, lots of everything, really. So um, you know, that's uh, that. That's pretty exciting. Have you have you had an opportunity to play much as a live unit yet? Yeah. Um, so like the dudes. So I've had the drummer Brian and the bassist Ryan since I think late 2019, and then we played our first shows. Um, I think February of 2020, oh, and then right. right after that. Right after that, you know, the pandemic got in the way. A little bit. Um, but then, you know, a couple, I think maybe like a year after that, we managed to start playing a couple more shows. We played um, played uh, the Decibel Festival in L.A. And then we supported um, Cruelty when they came over from Japan for a couple of shows in California. And then... Uh, in July, we were up in Seattle for Northwest Terror, and then, you know, we're gonna we we have a we have uh, our release show with Ghoul um, on October twenty second. That's like our uh, Halloween release show, and more shit in the future, I guess. So you know, that's uh, if you, if you're a West Coaster, that's all well and good. But what about us uh, us folks that are you know in other parts of the country? 
So we maybe, maybe East Coast at the end of next year, that's not set in stone yet. That's like a very kind of maybe, maybe sort of kind of thing. You know, talking with some of my friends. Um, but we do have a tour plan for Europe uh, in April next year. And then we're going to hit up like we're going to hit up uh, the UK, um, Germany, uh, the Netherlands, I think maybe France as well. So we're all pretty excited about that over here. That is uh, that is incredibly exciting. So uh, mark your calendars uh, when the dates come through and uh, and go see go see these boys when they come to your town. Now, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, of course, big fans of, of uh, Ripped to Shreds. Uh, but I think that there's another project that is, uh, you know, equally, if not of, great, of greater importance. I'm talking, of course, about Andrew Lee's heavy metal shrapnel. Um, you, you put out uh, that record, uh, I think it was last year. I loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there any, uh, any news uh, from the heavy metal shrapnels? Yes. Um, so I'm changing direction a little bit. So the next thing that's going to come out is a split with um, First Fragment. And oh, sick. The song that I wrote for that uh, has vocals now. And then I got um, Mark Bowles, uh, the ex Ingve guy, to sing on it. And I'm not totally sure when that's going to come out. Like maybe end of the year, maybe like January. And then... You know, once I've got some of my other, I don't know, 100 projects all settled, <laughs> uh, I'm going to start working on the full length for that. <laughs> that uh, That's pretty incredible, getting an uh, ex-Ingve singer. Uh, but does it make you feel a little bit like you sold out by going uh, vocals on your instrumental project? That was always the uh, plan for okay. the second album. Because, like, you know... I I also feel like uh, I only really had that one instrumental album in me. Like if I try to think of doing another instrumental album now, like I wouldn't even know where to begin. <laughs> you know, like I I feel like I kind of like just blew my wad. And so now I need to I need to edge myself a little bit. You know, come up with some new material, let it simmer for a couple more years, and in the meantime, I'm gonna do this thing with uh, Mark Bowles. Okay, all right, that that totally makes sense, and uh, that's. That's that's pretty exciting though. How did you get in contact with him? Um, actually, it was really easy because I was thinking, you know, I I love all the old Ingve stuff, and when I think of like power metal or glam, I'm always thinking of like these super high vocals. And you know, I I I love the new wave of traditional heavy metal, but um, personally, I always feel like the biggest uh, sticking point to me with the new heavy metal bands is that the singers are like just kind of okay. They're not like incredible, amazing singers, you know? Um, I mean, I've encountered and, like a thousand incredible guitarists in the metal scene, but uh, the num- number of people that can actually, actually sing is, what, there's like three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like a, a lot of these USPM bands that I love, you know, like the kind of like the rougher edged ones, like uh, Slow Fag. Mm-hmm. Or um, let's say I don't think Leech Lord is fair because the guy can sing is just really weird. Or like Demon Bitch, you know, they 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 can sing, but it's always got kind of like a rough kind of odd quality to it. That's it's like part of the charm, but it's not like they're you know conventionally great singers. And then when I'm thinking of my uh, when I think of glam that I like, 
you know, Don Dawkin, um, old Jeff Tate, you know, Bon Jovi or whatever. They're all like real singers. And then so I felt like, you know, if I want to do this the way I want to do it, I got to have like a real, real singer. And so I, I was just looking around and seeing, you know, who I could hire. And uh, I saw that Mark Bowles, he'd worked with this uh, dude who like made some indie rock stuff that, you know, I thought <laughs> honestly wasn't that good. So I was like, hey, maybe he'd be willing to work with me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. It never hurts to ask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's terribly exciting stuff. Uh, looking forward to looking forward to th- hearing that uh, whenever that split comes out as well. I mean, hey, I'll, I'll I'll shoot you a link after after the podcast. Ooh, see, listeners, this is the real benefit to uh, to starting your own publication. You get the shit before everybody else. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there there is another thing I wanted to I've wanted to ask you about this for years now. I think um, mm-hmm. the. Uh, I don't know exactly the, the actual name for it, but the the body pillow um, with <laughs> y- with your your body on it. Uh, can you yeah. can you can you tell us about this? I, I think the uh, most unique merch I've ever seen a band put out. Ah, uh, the Daki Makura. Yeah. So it's I don't even know how it got started in Japan, but you know, people just made body pillows and they printed. Uh, they they printed their favorite anime characters on these body pillows, and often it's really creepy art of these characters. But I guess it's uh, kind of a popular item for them. And I thought, you know, I love anime. I don't want to put creepy art on this, but you know, I think I think my pose would kind of like fit on uh, on a pillow. So <laughs> you know what? I'll just make one and see who wants it. <laughs> and did you sell out of your run? Oh, I I made them print on demand. So okay, I think I sold like six or something like that, which you know for an item this ridiculous, I think six is a pretty good number. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and you know that really lets you know who your biggest fans are. You can you know of course target them for for future opportunities. <laughs> we've, on the show in the past couple of weeks, we've kind of talked about band names and how we've ran out of band names. Bands are called Shelf and you know, just generic things like that. Algebra. Yeah, just eh, kind of bland. And, you know, I, I like the name Rip to Shreds. You know exactly what you're going to get. And it's that just good, solid death metal name that just everyone knows, even though even if they've never heard it or things like that. And being a relatively new band, I'm kind of curious if you've ever had to deal with like an old band that put out a demo in the nineties from Cleveland trying to pop up and saying like they own the name and you owe them money. I think there are actually like three other bands named Ripter shreds. Um, I think there's like a punk band from, uh, Seattle from like the late nineties and, uh, a power violence band from England from the like early two thousands. And I think one other punk band somewhere else in the U.S. that, you know, they had like one demo. But, you know, I figure it's not really that big a deal. <laughs> if there's already like a couple of you guys and, you know, they didn't kill each other over it, it's probably OK. Yeah. How'd you get uh, hooked up with Relapse? 
Oh, so I, I worked with um Mike from Horror Pain Gore Death on a on a on a split, um the one with uh brain corrosion, and um I guess basically he's kind of like a kind of like a talent scout gatekeeper for relapse, and uh, when I when I was um thinking about because you know like the middle of twenty twenty one I was thinking you know it's been a while since I put out new RTS music it's time to start thinking about writing a new record and then i felt like we'd kind of outgrown pulverized a little bit so it was time to look for a label that was based in the states and that could help us get to like that that next level here and um so i just started like sending out some emails i i asked mike you know if he thinked relapse would be interested and then he pitched it to 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 the the upper management at relapse and they were into it there you go folks you can do it too. Your band just needs to be better. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> just send an email that's like contact at relapse.com. They're not going to say it. They're not going to read it. I, I actually, um, cause I, I, I spoke with, you know, cause you know, when it comes down to all this contract stuff, you know, you need like a real lawyer to look at all of it. And, um, so there's this one guy, um, Ula, Ula Garrett. Um, he came recommended from uh, my friend Damien from Horrendous because he he did their con- contract stuff with Season of Mist, and you know he's been he wrote for like Metal Maniacs in the '90s. He worked at Century Media, I think, as a regional manager. And then right now, actually, we also deal with Ula for um, license because I I run Nameless Grave with my friend Brandon, and then we go to him to license. Um, old titles from like Metal Blade that we want to like reissue, and actually, I think if you have <laughs> if you have upper management's personal emails <laughs> uh, of labels, you just kind of email them, you know. <laughs> that helps a little bit too. Uh, but again, also your band should be better. <laughs> that's yeah. General that's advice. Wanted to get this this quick question out here for for the new record. Um, how, how many HM2 pedals would you say that you used on this one? I actually only used two different pedals. Oh. I used um um oh you got, you guys are based out of Texas. So you guys know um Joe from Lone Wolf Audio? Yeah, I've got uh his uh his left hand Wrath pedal. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, so I used one of those um so like I I had two guitar rigs that I blended. One was uh, the PV VTM120 running through um, a Mesa 4x12, and the other was a Marshall DSL100 running through a Marshall uh, 1960B. And um, I, ha- I had the Lone Wolf running through the PV, and um, there's like a there, there's this uh, pedal company from Sweden called Decibelix. And I think it's Sweden. And they have like a super small form factor HM2 called the Angry Swede. And that one went through <laughs> the Marshall. And, um, you know, I, I just blended those two together to kind of get the sound for the album. That's awesome. Um, Jordan doesn't know anything about like uh, guitars or pedals or anything like that. So I really appreciate learning about this stuff while he's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is, it is the time of the Halloween spooktacular, you know. We did bring you on to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, your body pillow, but also we wanted to talk a little bit about horror movies. 
we have a specific sure. one we're going to talk about out here, but you know, first let's just get a little bit of background. Uh, you know, when did you uh, first find yourself like a regular consumer of uh, of horror movies? That's kind of a tough question. I I feel like I didn't really. I know I watched a couple in high school, but I wasn't like a huge fan of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I was definitely more into like Hong Kong action movies, martial arts films, that kind of stuff. Um, I think I watched, I, I probably watched like The Exorcist or um, Ring or a, a couple of those, you know, well-known ones yeah. back then. But I think it probably wouldn't have been until the last few years where I started, you know, watching some of the more cult horror movies or some of the more, I guess... Like, like the stuff that's coming out on like A24, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Midsummer, or Hereditary, or even some like really awful schlocky stuff like uh, like I don't know Sinister or oh, man there there's this one uh, movie I watched I think on Amazon Prime that was about like some college students who would just get killed and I don't remember the name off the top of my head. I can't remember, but it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I just started watching a whole bunch of these awful horror movies for nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but my wife is a is a horror fan, so you know we got a Shutter account years ago, and uh, just you know generally whenever I'm moving throughout the house, the lowest budget shittiest movie you can imagine is playing on the TV. So uh, I've really expanded my horizons from you know the elevated uh, horror to. Just total fucking schlock, man. Just fucking every movie about an evil snake or whatever. Goddamn. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I never I never know what to expect when we have a musician on to talk about a movie. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen all kinds of things. Some of them uh, some of them very good. Some of them barely, barely watchable. Uh, mm-hmm. Things, uh, you know, bordering uh, the profane, especially with the uh, 70s Italian movies. Uh, so, you know, when you suggested this movie in Pedagore, I had never heard of it, uh, but, uh, I knew, I knew it was on Shutter. Perfect. Got the login for that and Jordan borrowed it from me. Uh, and within like the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, this is actually sick as hell. <laughs> so, uh, a very, very nice surprise for me. How did you come about this one? I think, um, I was just looking through like a, rec- a recommendations list of good shit on Shutter and, uh, in Pitygore, I... I mean, I, I'm not like totally sure how it's supposed to be pronounced, but you know, like the band Impetigo. I assume it's like Impetigor. I'm not totally sure. Is but, that how um, you pronounce it? I've been pronouncing it Impetigo for years. Same. <laughs> I think it's Impetigo. Um, we can look it up, right? Impetigo. I like. I, I can't pronounce like uh, conditions or uh, medications, and that's like a huge problem in my day to day life. <laughs> so, uh, you're probably right. People just make fun yeah, of me. Okay. According to mayoclinic.org, it's Impetigo. God damn it. All right. Well, we learned something today, Jordan. Now I'm just going to have to start pronouncing other band names like Eluvitae and just kind of fancy it up a little bit because that's really (laughs) how you pronounce it, apparently. Oh, yeah, I guess that's right. But I mean, like how many times do you have to talk to a Finnish person? Not often. Yeah, that's fair. Finland doesn't actually 
exist, right? Uh, that's, it's just a conspiracy. That's what we keep talking about. The other day we learned that the uh, surviving members of uh, Children of Bodom are opening up a bar slash sauna, and we decided that's too on the nose, not real at all. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, obviously fake. Uh, this one, though, um, this, is, uh, this is out of Indonesia, right? Yep. It's uh, Joko Anwar, is that uh, the fellow's name? Um, yeah, I think so. Joko Anwar. Joko uh, Anwar? Yeah. So um, yes. this yes. is, uh, I believe, his second uh, big release. The first one came to pretty big acclaim uh, called Satan Slaves. I think I recall reading that that was one of the biggest box office releases in, uh, in Asian history. So this one mm-hmm. came um, came with uh, some big expectations. And, uh, and boy... Uh, I dug it. So o- overall, uh, Jordan, you're, you're typically a little bit more uh, lukewarm on movies than I am. Uh, what, what do you think overall on this one? Uh, overall, I enjoyed it. Glad I watched it. Um, I think there's some good things about it. Uh, I like there's some good atmosphere. I like the good locations, I think, especially with like Southeast Asia, there's a lot of untapped horror stories you can go to, whether it's just location-wise, jungle, forest, and just a lot of uh, new-to-Western horror fans for like folklore and stories and history that uh, I think is definitely interesting and appealing. Um, there's a lot of humor in this movie, and like actual, genuinely funny, and not like we're trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Just a like, good back and forth between the main characters that kept it entertaining and uh, relatively light. Um, I think I was expecting different than what we got in this movie. I think I was expecting a little more supernatural and a little more violence and gore, especially for a movie that deals with people not having skin. <laughs> I thought it would be a lot more violent and a lot bloodier than it was. With with gore in the title, I also expected more gore, I guess. Uh, but I was okay with it. Um, I think, like you said, uh, that what I was most impressed about with the movie was, uh, yeah, how funny the uh, the two lead actresses were. Just uh, incredible back and forth between the two. <laughs> it was very natural. Yeah, I think if I had like one complaint about the film is is that the is that the sidekick died way too early. Agreed, and very easily. Yeah, um, but I mean, I guess it kind of um, it kind of like ratchets up the tension, right? Because like she was such a big part of the first half of the movie, so it kind of feels like you know, you know, the stakes are real. Maybe anyone can actually die in this movie. I, I think with like a lot of, especially like slashers and other horror movies, like the higher the body count, the more you can kind of whittle away. Because once the friend dies, sorry, spoiler alert. There's only one person left, and it's the main character. There's not, like, a slower build to it, or the the monster, or the bad person, whoever it is doing the killing is getting closer. It's just like, well, that's that's one done. Now we're on to the last one. So, they, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I could have included some more friends, one more to get killed, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. I I, th- I don't know. I think that the uh, again the the way that it's presented uh, the 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 two girls uh, that are the you know the lead actresses uh, you know they're uh, struggling young women um, that uh, they're constantly clowning on each other one for being a whore one for like not getting laid which is a classic comedy bit you know. <laughs> 
so uh, having having that element removed where it just goes to straight tension, I think I think it was effective. But uh, again, I I just want to see a buddy movie between the two. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um. So uh, let's see. This uh, this came out in 2019, right? I'm not losing yep. my mind here. Okay. Yep. 2019. Yeah. I think 2019 for like the domestic audience, and then it hit international audiences the year after. Okay. So we're we're still fairly recent here. Um, with uh, my, I probably have with a lot of um, more recent uh, movies, not just horror movies, but movies in general, is uh, uh, how everything is kind of computer generated and looks like the same shit brown. Uh, which mm-hmm. uh, thankfully this one it's it's a little drab in places, but it makes sense because you know <laughs> you're you're in uh, like jungle, a dusty like, ass village <laughs> yeah. that doesn't have electricity. Looks like it's straight out of like the '40s or something. Yeah, there's an orange glow throughout most of the movie. Yeah, and uh, like that's from like you mentioned, uh, like lanterns because there is no electricity in the village. Um, and uh, I, I think another effective thing, uh, like a trope in horror movies, is uh, you know the sensation of uh, everything's hot and sweaty, and you definitely get that here. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing as like uh, you know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It looks impossibly hot. Everybody's sticky and gross. Works great mm-hmm. here to the same effect. Yeah, especially the climate down there. It's because um, I was actually in um, I'm, I'm not sure which part of Indonesia the movie is supposed to be set in, but I've been to Bali before and it's man, it's so humid and sticky. <laughs> yeah, if um, if you can show everybody's a little bit more miserable, I think that ups the ante a bit. Like you mentioned that you uh, you enjoyed the A24 horror movies and I think uh, The Witch is a great example. Like make it more miserable. That makes it scary. <laughs> Um, so this one uh, begins with uh, you know these our two leads. It's uh, Denis and um, Maya who are uh, toll booth clerks. Is it clerk? Is what it's called? Attendant collector collector toll booth attendants uh, who work in separate booths and uh, you know just gab it up uh, between the two of them while they're working their shitty jobs. And uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's really affecting this this opening bit where you know you get a sense of their rapport where they're clowning on each other. It's very funny, and then all of a sudden the tone just fucking turns on a dime. There, uh, Jordan, what, can you describe what happens there? So my and Dini are talking on the phone, just random stuff, talking about like jokingly becoming prostitutes and then not wanting to be with any of the men. And <laughs> Maya mentions that there's been a man that's been coming by the past couple of nights and creeping her out and just staring at her and acting weird looking gross and he shows up once again at the toll booth and he stares at her and he stares at her and she's very uncomfortable and finally he goes through the the booth but before he does he starts asking her questions like what's her name is she from a village called i think harjosery uh, he calls her by a different name, Rahayu, asking who her father was. And she's just really weirded out as he drives off. But he just pulls to the side of the road and gets out with a big machete, a big-ass knife. And she's terrified. She's still on the phone with her friend who is calling security for help. She like can't get out of the booth. She's trying to close the window as this man's getting closer and closer. And it's very claustrophobic because this is a tiny booth 
with a all she has is a little radio on playing old AM Indonesian hits. <laughs> and uh, f- I, I question her idea of running from the booth, at least within the booth, she was safe. Um, <laughs> but uh, she made a run for it. And this man catches up to her, knocks her down. And she, it looks like she has a scar on her leg and he cuts the scar. And um, he, what was it exactly? He says like, the village needs to be free, something your, along those lines. Your family lines. left think, something in our village we would like removed. <laughs> I think he mentions her dad specifically, right? I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah, she, he says, you know, he asks her, what's it, you know, is this her father? And as he's about to kill her, a police officer shows up and shoots him. And that's the, what, first five minutes of the movie? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a strong start. Uh, absolutely. I, like you said, like the claustrophobic area of a toll booth, that's, that works really well for me. Um, again, yeah, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like, you, like heightening the, the tension here, you have a woman who is scared and alone working this shit ass job and like a hostile man comes up to her. Like that's, that's not like out of the ordinary of something that could happen either. So already like highly tense moment for like you said five minutes <laughs> um so yeah uh, that guy gets domed by a cop and uh we fast forward to uh the girls are what exactly are they doing they they opened up a, a thrift store or something i think they're like selling a fake brand clothing. Oh, hell yes that's so much better <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're no longer tollbooth collectors and they're selling knockoff clothes in uh, like an open air market and business is very bad. That's God. That's so I love that. Just dirt bag ladies. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, uh, they get busted uh, for uh, smoking in the ladies room as well. Again, adding to the, uh, the dirt bag charm there. Uh, and, uh, our, our, our lady, uh, it's, uh, Gosh, what, I'm trying to remember what her name in the Maya. Name, Maya, not Rahayu. It's Maya. Uh, notices yeah. a little piece of paper fall out of her leg. <laughs> yeah, out yeah, of the it's, cut. Yeah, it's it's like the place that the crazy machete dude cut her. Yeah, and then like I think she notices it's like bleeding, and then so she's like touching the cut, and then she finds like this bit of paper that was stuck inside the cut. You know, and she unrolls it, and then she sees there's like some ancient Javanese writing on it. Um, big fan of that. Big fan of the body horror of just sticking something in somebody's body. <laughs> uh, so she. Uh, the, the one thing I do question, though, that that like when she unrolls it, it's pretty clean. You know, is? for something that I don't. Well, I don't know. This is probably like spoilers, right? I mean, but we're discussing the whole movie. Yeah, something that's like supposedly been stuck in her body for 20 years you know i, I it's I don't not know. gonna be that clean <laughs> it's not gonna be that clean but also like if that's just you know notebook paper i think that it'd probably break down by then you might need some like uh parchment or something like that to make that effective we, I mean, we could I mean, say I guess that it is magic right it yeah is. i was gonna say we could say that because this parchment uh, has powerful old magic. We later find out maybe that has also powerful okay, yeah. Mr. Cleaning effects to it. <laughs> that's, you know, that's true as well. In which case, uh, it's a real shame that uh, she uh, she drops that roll of 
parchment down the toilet uh, because she might need need it later in the future. Well, she does take a picture of it on her phone. She does take a picture of it, which is very smart. Um, uh, you know, something that you and I talk about, Jordan, a lot is the complications of making a horror movie in, in an environment where you have cell phones. You know, uh, so a number of things like this movie does really well to address that. It's like, well. I was mad that they were in a village that had no electricity. I'm like, how is she using her phone? At one point, she pulls out uh, a, like a, a mobile charging unit. I'm like, God damn it. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> You've thought of everything. <laughs> this is important to me. Um, so uh, how, how, does she, how does she come about uh, finding, uh, finding her provenance here? She has an old photo that her aunt gave her that uh, shows Maya as a young girl with a uh, man and a woman who I think she's told to her parents, but she doesn't like really know anything about it. And they're standing in front of a very large house um, that's in the village that the man in the beginning at the toll booth had said, hard josery. Uh, that's kind of where she's from. And since they don't have any money or any prospects, they decide to hop on a six hour bus ride to go to this remote village village where they don't exactly know where it is it's kind of like they're going to a town that's somewhere in the general direction of this place yeah it doesn't pull up on google maps if you were wondering they tried (laughs) (laughs) again they thought of everything with this movie they did i appreciate that uh so on that bus ride of course you you have to have like a cryptic uh motherfucker like giving you uh breadcrumbs of the, the the story right uh, of course, uh, there's uh, there's some creep uh, who appears who's a uh, he says he went to the university for uh, Russian literature. <laughs> he's a professor of Russian literature. Oh yeah, he's a professor yeah, yeah. of Russian literature, and he's you know he's a big fan of languages. He loves all the languages. So of course, you know Maya is like, well, what do you know about this one? Shows him the picture of the parchment that was stuck inside her body for God knows twenty years, I guess. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, well, I know exactly what that is, which is very convenient, I would say. Uh, wh- yeah, he's like, I got this. This is uh, an ancient uh, shame, sh- shamanic spell, I guess, that protects the bear from great evil, something like that. Which is good. Uh, but the, uh, Which is bad because now she doesn't have it. That's right. That's right. Also, uh, he, he mentions that the... the person that made it uh, was evil <laughs> I don't know how he's able to judge that but <laughs> from the handwriting yeah <laughs> it's like one of those FBI crime lab guys <laughs> I, I mean it just comes with Russian literature right you know you study Russian literature you study ancient evil Javanese magic I, I guess like he minored in uh, evil spells or something yeah I mean that's it you gotta you gotta have a minor if you want to take a job in the humanities teaching. You need that. Uh, so that's good to know. Um, you know, an evil person gave her an incantation to protect her, but she doesn't have that anymore, and that's not great. Uh, so of course she's looking out the window, <laughs> uh, seeing uh, seeing visions of creepy little girls outside uh, repeatedly, which is not good. You would you know you see him, and then six miles down the road you see him again. They can't run that fast. That's a bad sign. Um. I think she shares uh, her concerns with uh, with Denny, doesn't she? And she just kind of yeah, blows him off. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, come on, it, it's like one a.m. Who who's gonna believe? I mean, you're tired, can't sleep. You're on a shitty long long haul bus going to the middle of nowhere. You know, you're, you're gonna start seeing things. 
Absolutely. Uh, so it's no big concern, uh, and you know they're right. They make it to they make it to the village without any problem. Uh, you know, at which point they're they're not really sure where to go. So um, they uh, they find a local guy with a uh, horse cart, and uh, he uh, squeezes him a bit to take him out to the even more remote part of the village from wherever they came from was. Uh, again, really nailing here. It is far. It's far from everything. <laughs> So their idea behind this is like they wanted to go to this house, this grand house that they have from this picture, because, you know, it's possible if it's if it's Maya's house, she could maybe like sell it because they're in pretty dire financial straits. And the thing that I kept thinking about is like, well, you know, if they're out in this middle middle of nowhere, uh, bumfuck in Egypt place, like, I don't know who you're going to sell it to. <laughs> That's the... That's my, my one hang up with this movie, the thing that didn't fit. Strip it for copper wiring. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but regardless, they, they're, they're not able to pay the rent. Uh, they're not selling anything in their store. They need, to, they need to try something. So that's why they're going out there. Um, I think along the way, uh, they, they encounter, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the fellow's name, the, the puppet master. Keys up yeah, key swap party. Um, so they 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 get the the impression that this is the head honcho out this way. They need to uh, talk to this feller, understand uh, what's up with this house. Uh, you know, maybe if they could sell it, who owns it right now? What's what's up with all that? What's up with this money situation? Uh, and they get kind of blown off by uh, all these villagers. Really kind of rude, I would say. Um, I mean, can you really have like a full core kind of thing if? The villagers aren't creepy as fuck, and you know, a little hostile. I get no. I guess you're right. It, it would be. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think uh, if if people could just be like really uh, obnoxiously, uh, you know, friendly to you. That could also be a good way of like, oh, this is super evil. Something super bad's gonna happen to me. They're gonna eat me. Like a folk car movie set in the Midwest where people are overly friendly. <laughs> You'll eat I mean, the Ludafisk. Midsommar is kind of like that, right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, I mean, minus the parts where like that idiot is peeing on the on the ancestral tree. But um, boy, um, no, I, I think you're right. You know, they offer you drugs, and they're like, you know, you should probably, uh, you know, uh, bang this uh, this daughter of ours or whatever. Super, super giving. Uh, you know, that, that lets you know that it's too much. It's too much. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, the... I'm sorry, uh, Andrew, what is what is our Puppet Master guy's name again? Uh, Kisapati. Kisapati, who's... Um, you know, he's, he's a man about the villages. Uh, people like to see him do puppet shows. Uh, I was unfamiliar with, uh, with this... Uh, Wayang Kulit, I think it's called. The... Uh, the puppet shows that are traditional for this uh, this part of the country. Uh, you ever heard of those before, Andrew? No, I mean, this was like the first time I've. I mean, I know it's, I knew some people from Indonesia, but you know, I don't really know very much about Indonesian culture. Um, you know, I just know that most of the country is like pretty devout, Muslim. Um, it's pretty poor. A lot of them, uh, you know, emigrate out to nearby countries like Taiwan or Singapore um, for jobs so they can send money back home. But, you know, like a lot of the uh, uh, actual culture of the place, you know, I'm 
not very familiar with. So yeah, that was the first time I've seen uh, the Shadow Puppet stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is all pretty brand new to me. So uh, this uh, traditional style of puppetry involves, you know, building uh, elaborate uh, shadow puppets, you know, uh, out of these uh, fan structures and telling a story against the the, the backdrop there. Um, you know, and that's good. That's uh, good to understand, um, you know, the cultural background. Uh, but there's nothing about puppetry that I think is uh, wholesome in any way, <laughs> especially in in the confines of a horror movie. <laughs> uh, so, can you can you take us what happens from here, Jordan? So they're walking around this village, and they're kind of getting the cold shoulder from a lot of the people. Um, they. They go to Kisaftari's house and uh, they're told by an old twitchy woman inside that he'll be back tomorrow and it's very awkward and creepy. They end up going to the house. They find it from the picture and end up breaking in. You know, it's all overgrown. But even when they go inside, there's still all the furniture is there and they kind of make themselves at home as best they can. They look around, try to they find some pictures, but. Maya's not in any of the pictures, but the people that were in her picture are there, and just kind of a empty, abandoned house in the forest, creep me atmosphere. And uh, the next day, they, uh, as they go out, they see a funeral is going by, and this is kind of a repeating theme that happens while they're there. Is at the beginning of the day, there's a funeral. At the end of the day, there's another funeral, and this kind of keeps happening. Um, they make their way to a cemetery to try to find her, the people who are supposedly her parents or anything connected to her. And inside the cemetery, they find a bunch of new headstones for newborn babies who only survived uh, like a day or two. Yeah, it's just uh, headstone after headstone after headstone. It's, uh, it's a bit excessive, I would say. And they also found uh, at the cemetery gates, uh, her parents' name is covered up by another sign, kind of showing that something has happened where the people in the village don't like her family. Not not a big fan. It also kind of shows, you know, they're like they're like a pretty important family, you know, because like, you know, they their names on the village. They have like the biggest house in the whole village, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, the house. Uh, I think they mention is about uh, ten thousand square feet. Uh, so pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Unless you live like uh, in some Florida suburb, I guess that's normal for you. Uh, but for me, that's very big. <laughs> so they uh, they're, they're still trying to make this uh, trying to make this work. Um, going around uh, asking townsfolk who basically do not want to talk to them at all. Um. And lying uh, to everyone as well, uh, not about the true nature of their visit, uh, but instead saying that they are college students there to learn more about this traditional form of puppetry. Um, I, they lie about their ages and their intentions, and as far as I can tell, nobody's buying it whatsoever. <laughs> uh, who, uh, who, who do they come across uh, before, before things go deeply wrong? <laughs> Well, they go to uh, they spy on a funeral mm-hmm. that's happening where all the village people see them spying on the funeral mm-hmm. and they kind of confront them where uh, Keith Sotati is there and he addresses them asking what they're doing, what's going on. And they try to lie and say, we're college students. We heard you're a great puppet master. 
and he invites them to his house before uh, that night before he goes off to another village to give an interview, talk about it. Um, they go back to the house. Uh, Maya goes out to get food while Dinny stays back. And there's a knock at the door, and there's two people who are at the funeral. And I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in a situation where people are like, yeah, come with us. It's okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you there. It's no problem. Uh, you say no, or you pretend that there are other people in the house, and you say, well, I'm going to have to go get uh, Biff and Chuck and uh, <laughs> the other big guys that are staying with us. Rocco. <laughs> Guys with no necks that'll protect me. Um, but instead, Dini tries to protect Maya by saying that she is Rahayu. She is the person that they've been mentioning and looking for. And she'll go with them to uh, Kisaptadi's house. There's no way that can go wrong. <sighs> I mean, like, okay, sure. You you were maybe a little bit too trusting. You thought things would go better than, you know, did. But you, you, you follow him outside the house. You follow him down a path. You follow them into the woods, and then you follow them on a sub path into the woods. And I think that's the point where you got to go. Nah, I, I don't. I can't. I can't continue down this uh, this increasingly secluded path. <laughs> uh, eventually, she does say, "Like, uh, you know, I think I've had enough here." And uh, you know, suddenly those guys don't want to take no for an answer. Not great. Um, I believe that the. Uh, the instruction one gives to the other is uh, don't break the skin. Was that it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, wanting to avoid breaking the skin and said uh, just clocks her in the back of the head with a rock. After she like breaks her ankle trying to run. Oh my head. God. How did I forget that? That was so fucking gnarly. <laughs> I mean, you have to deal with that stuff in real life. Was that accurate looking? Yeah, that was pretty accurate looking. Um, I mean, she was lucky that, like, the bone didn't stick out, so it could heal a little bit better, essentially. Um, And, like, leg injuries are, like, so gnarly, man. Um, I remember, uh, what was that one uh, uh, basketball player? He he had, like, a break on TV, right? Oh, shit, yeah. That was about, it was, like, seven years ago. I was watching the game live. (laughs) And if you want gruesome sports injuries, there was a baseball one years ago where a guy slid into home plate and his foot was pointing in the wrong direction when he got up. Oh man, how did oh. I miss that one? I'm going to, you know, I'll finish this, uh, the show and then I'll go, you know, Google, uh, world's gnarliest sports injuries. <laughs> uh, there's a ton in like a uh, MMA too. Um, oh man, like whenever someone does like a low kick yeah. and they get, and they get checked and then uh. like their shin snaps in half. You got floppy the leg, shin. Comes, the, the leg comes back all floppy. Yeah. Love that. Love to see it. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> Denny uh, tries to make a break for it. Uh, she hits the okie doke. They had set uh, a rope trap for her, and yeah, it just shatters that fucking ankle. Good lord. Uh, and then gets brained with a rock. Uh, where did we go from there, Jordan? When she wakes up, she's hanging upside down uh, by a rope by her ankles um and there's the two guys who kidnapped her and there's kisaptari um it was set up with a whole bunch of knives and he's not happy with the kidnappers and how they've uh, gone about doing this and um there's some hesitation on his part of 
of what to do and how to do things. And the old lady from before shows up and just slits Denny's throat. One, two, three. Um, thinking that this is what needs to be done. And hopefully all the village's problems will now be settled because they've killed Brahayu. Yeah. Uh, the old lady who comes in like, what the hell are you doing? As in, you know, you kind of get this sensation like, yes, she's going to be like, don't kill this girl. But no, just slits the throat and says like, we have a baby like going through delivery right now. <laughs> so uh, I, I think like the gnarliest part about uh, this movie for me is like these scenes, uh, which you go to right after where a woman's giving birth um, and immediately after getting birth, like uh, Kisiptati goes and fucking drowns this newborn infant uh, just because it's clear this uh, this this thing ain't got no skin. That's no good. You need skin. <laughs> Skin's important. It is. Um, yeah, so I, there were a couple of those scenes where, you know, they, they just go ahead and drown that baby, and man, that's uh, that one was pretty brutal, I would say, uh, without being, like, super uh, uh, overt or uh, gory or anything like that. Just pretty brutal. It's also like a real condition, right? Um, kids so being born without could, skin. There's like a, a condition like Harlequin birth, uh, which is like incredibly rare and like not survivable. It's it's not survivable mm-hmm. at all. Um, so in that case, like you're, you, you would lack the ability to breathe in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the condition of just not having skin and otherwise being totally functional, I think they might have created this one specifically for uh, for the movie, <laughs> or or maybe there is like a maybe there's like a folk tale in uh, Indonesia I'm not familiar with. Yeah, it uh, could be, could be. Uh, Jordan, I lost my place. What are we doing? So while all this is going on, uh, Maya is in town getting food, and she meets a local villager named Roddy. I think her name is who. Uh, plays the part of backstory and helps fill in a lot of the blanks of uh, why there is this empty house, um, what happened 20 years ago. There was uh, a rumor of this person who owned the house, um, Maya's father, had maybe made a pact with the devil. Hate it. Uh, he was that. a famous uh, puppet master as well, I think. Was that right? That's correct. He was uh, better. <laughs> he was better than Kisiptati. <laughs> And, um, like, because he was richer and he had a beautiful wife, uh, they couldn't conceive a child. And during this time, three local village girls had disappeared uh, after uh, the wife had become uh, pregnant. And suddenly a daughter showed up five years later, uh, looking healthy and good. And uh, eventually the um, that's later on where we get the explanation of what happened. Yeah, we, we have two deep backstories, one incomplete and one complete. So let's keep it incomplete for now. Uh, there was uh, some Satan involved. Uh, you don't want that. Um, so uh, it, it shows that, uh, you know, in addition to, you know, dealing with Satan, he also loses his mind and fucking uh, murders everybody in his puppeteer orchestra and as well as uh, his wife in a big bloody flash across that shadow box. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty stylish scene, I would say. Uh, what do you think? I, I really like the cinematography of the whole whole movie all the way through. I, I feel like um, I, I like how it's uh, like the cuts are generally slower paced. We have long cuts, and it's not like super frenetic like 
I don't know, a lot of uh, Western horror movies are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, excepting the A24 stuff, because that, I guess, is typically more quote-unquote arty. Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't like the uh, the idea of uh, a movie that uh, can be good, and that's a big sticking point for them. <laughs> uh, calling out the haters, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it seems pretty clear that... Uh, you know, uh, Maya, her her real dad is uh, it was fucked up. It's no good. Uh, it's made things very miserable for everybody around her. Uh, so uh, she's also like completely fucked up because like she can't find Denny, and she's real worried about her. And uh, nobody seems to be willing to help all that much. I did want to bring up there was one scene after Denny was killed where the old lady was. Uh, putting up her skin, putting up Denny's skin oh. on, like, clothes hangers. Oh, yeah, shit. Like, I think, h- how much longer after that do they reveal that they turn, they, they turn her into, like, a fucking puppet? It's not, it's not long afterwards, I guess, but, yeah, that scene, the, you see, like, some strips or whatever, and then you see a full set of titties just hanging off a clothesline. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, this is, this is clearly no great, not great. And uh, at once the uh, the next baby is born, still without skin, they realize that the woman they killed was not, in fact, Rahayu. Uh, so the curse still goes on. Um, and at the same time, I believe Maya spies uh, Saptati drowning one of the babies. Um, and eventually they, the whole village gets together and tries to find Maya so that they can kill her and hopefully lift this curse. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, and, that, and that, that's the whole thing. Like uh, these kids are born without skin because of a pact with the devil. You know, Rahayu, Maya slash Rahayu, born without skin. Her dad made a deal with the devil, sacrificed those girls, took the skin from the girls, gave it to Rahayu slash Maya. Now nobody has skin. Everybody's very mad about this situation, and now they got to go kill her. It all makes sense. Yeah, she, you, it all makes sense. Yeah. And she's helped by that uh, that that villager. Um, Rati, Rati. Uh, when 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 uh, when the rest of the village is looking for her, like Rati, like hides her and shelters her. You know, you have in, in her home, and then you have like those like two dudes from the village come knocking on her door, and it's like, have you seen Rahayu anywhere? You know, and then she like she like uh, you know, she bail uh, she bails out Maya, right? Yeah. And then you know they start get to talking, and then y- you you realize that. Rati actually knows that Maya is Rahayu, and that um, the the only reason that she didn't uh, sell her out was because you know she knows that uh, she she had uh, I think like a grandma who was also uh, powerful in magic, and she knows that killing Rahayu is not going to solve the curse. And um, I, I believe Rati is also pregnant, and um, Maya's like you know where where's your husband? And Rati's like, oh, my husband actually went to the big city a couple months ago to, I, I think, like, look for a solution to this curse. And then uh, Maya sees, like, a picture of her and her husband. And I was like, oh, shit, it's that dude from the start of the movie. Yep. I got, I saw this guy get domed by the cops. That's not a great, that's not great. The, things are not going well. And poor, like, uh, Rati, like, her life is shit, and she knows it's shit. 
uh, like those those two dudes that are coming by her house uh, trying to find Maya. They like one of them also you know threatens to rape Rati, and she's just like, uh, first of all, fuck you, uh, I'll stab you. And he's like, fine, whatever. And then she threatens to slit her own throat in front of him and haunt him, which is so fucking badass. <laughs> Suicide as revenge. Yeah, I love that. Um, and she's she's just saying, like, hey, you know, they can kill you. It's not going to change the curse. Nothing is going to change this. Like, our lot in life is pretty much sealed and nothing's going to make it better. Uh, so she is very much resigned to the way things are, but at the same time, she doesn't want to inflict any more misery on anybody else. So really, uh, really interesting character that, you know, aside from serving as an exposition dump. <laughs> um, so hiding, um, you know, hiding from the villagers that are all on the, they're all, they're all drunk and whatever, hooting and hollering and looking to kill her. Uh, she, she gets the idea to, uh, to, call the the guy that helped her come into the the village from the larger village to bring the cops and uh they do and uh yeah that that goes about how well you'd think it would uh what what happens there jordan in what a twist moment the police officer that he brings is actually from the village and turns around and kills the scooter guy who brought <laughs> her into the village you can't trust cops folks <laughs> <laughs> uh so they uh, they're like oh oh you know he's talking to her we got to call that number so her ring will, ringer will go off and we'll find her and I just love it like not skipping a beat she fucking hucks her phone across the jungle <laughs> um, and uh, continues to 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 hide from these folks. Um, she hails down a driver to give her a ride. She gets in the car and. Actually, Andrew, can you describe what she sees when, like, she gets in the car? Uh, I, th- I think she starts having, like, a vision, right? Yeah. Um, and then she has a vision of uh, of what has been ha- – so maybe this part's a little bit clunky to me because, you know, like, the three girls who'd been murdered, you know, 30 years ago, they show up in her vision and, you know, they just kind of, like, show her what had happened, what's going on. And you find out. Um, I, I think it's at this point you find out that. Uh, um, let me see. So one of one of the girl ghosts stops the truck that she's. Trying oh, to okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she, she, there's a man driving uh, this truck, and in the seat next to him, the spirit of a little girl shows up and rips her skin off. Yeah, causing him to. <laughs> To scream in a way that sounds like someone poured hot soup in his lap. He's kind of like, <laughs> and crashes the car, and Maya is stuck once again in the village. Dude, that, that mm-hmm. bit with the little girl, like, removing her skin was fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I forgot. Yeah, that was, there are, there, there are, so earlier we were like, there's not much gore in this movie, right? But like when there are gore effects in this movie, they're pretty fucking effective. Absolutely, yeah. You got to you know you got to choose your spots, and I, I think it does it really effectively there, especially with that one. Like I was like, fuck, dude. <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- there you go. She had an easy way out of the village, but uh, again, don't you know it? Since she's no longer protected by her uh, incantation, uh, she. Uh, she sees the visions and everyone else does of a little girl ripping off the skin, causing that driver to wreck the car. And she's shit out of luck again. 
She continues to see the visions of the little girls, though, and they're a little bit less horrific. Instead, they start guiding her. Um, the three little girls are you know, appearing in, in certain alleyways and then in front of houses, taking her into... Um, taking her into the puppeteer's house and showing her to check this one chest of drawers here. And, uh, you know, she, she that's could, where she finds the, uh, the puppets made out of the girl's skins. Exactly. Right? And they, they, you know, they realize that maybe her, their clues, uh, just with appearing against flashing lights in certain places are a little bit too oblique. They're like, Hey, bury that shit with our bones. <laughs> 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 then we'll stop cursing you. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she, she goes through and, and digs up, uh, the bones and, and, you know, and buries it, uh, with the skin and, uh, you know, the, the curse, the curse is fixed. You know, there's no more curse after that. Unfortunately, no, you know, nobody else knows that. <laughs> uh, so we have, uh, we have a little bit more, uh, drama with our, our, our extended family here. Yeah. The, the, the creepy mom shows up, uh, the, uh, Kisa Patti's mom shows up with like, all the villagers and stuff, right? She does. And it's it becomes clear in a vision from the little girls what exactly happened there with the original flashback. Sure, we know a little bit about a deal with the devil or whatever, but it's it, that's not all that happened. Uh, instead, you know, things are a little bit more complicated. So, um, you know, it, it's true that um, uh, Maya's dad was rich and uh, well-loved uh, puppeteer, uh, but uh, he c- he couldn't knock up his beautiful wife, uh, so instead uh, it was it was actually uh, it was actually somebody else that did the job for him. <laughs> uh, that of course goes incredibly poorly. Uh, so uh, Septati, uh, Septati, his, his mom like uh, his mom, I think what hypnotizes both. Satati and Maya's mom, right? And then they sleep together. I think I think so, the, I think the, they slept together. He impregnated her, and then she uh, in, enchanted them or whatever, where they forgot that they. So ever they forgot met. about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 In a scene uh, where so, she caresses her son's bare ass. That was the weirdest <laughs> fucking part of this entire movie, man. <laughs> I mean, I think that's uh, to show like the uh, motherly protection of her son. But yeah, it's funny. I think it to goes see it a little beyond motherly. Yeah, in that scene. It's like yeah. good job fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> good game, buddy. <laughs> Just a gentle cup of the tush for your son. Um, and I'm really glad you brought that up, Jordan, because I I wasn't sure if I <laughs> if I was making that weird. <laughs> uh, shit. Where, what happens there, Jordan? Uh, so yeah, we. Learned that uh, Maya's mother was actually impregnated by Kisaptati. We also learned that Kisaptati's mother had worked at this house and was impregnated, I think if I remember correctly, uh, by Maya's the, grandpa. The yes. grandfather who lived there, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole lot of that going on. And So actually, uh, so so Maya is actually Kisaptati's. Daughter. A daughter. Daughter. Yeah. And Maya's supposed dad is actually a half brother with Kisatati. Yes, that's correct. And then in a flashback, we see that Kisatati um, 
actually mur- had murdered everyone 30 years ago, but framed Maya's dad for it. Yes, he was the guy who was whacking everybody in his orchestra and then his wife. Uh, so Maya's dad was framed, although he did kill those three little girls, I think. Yeah, he did, he did <laughs> kill those three little girls. Uh, so not totally blameless there. He, he did kind of fuck that one up a little bit. Right, well, he killed them because Rahayu had this skin problem. Uh, and killed them to steal their skin and give her skin, essentially. I mean, yeah, what 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 a self-respecting father wouldn't murder three children to make sure and make a deal with the devil to make sure that you know his daughter had skin. Um, how big was his daughter that he needed three little girls to take their skin? You know, he he wanted some extras in case he messed up. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you don't you don't want to go in with enough uh, with uh, limited materials. Understand it. Then you got to go back to the store. That's yeah, a huge fucking like, hassle. Yeah, the day's thing. already over by then. Uh, okay, so uh, at, at this point we've got uh, we've got Maya all strung up. They're getting ready to spill her blood again to end this curse once and for all. Uh, but you know Maya's trying to explain. I I ended I did that. I ended the curse for you. You're welcome. Uh, also, like you're my dad, and you uh, evil old crone, you're actually my grandmother. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I, I believe that she is able to uh, to convince Kisiptati, like, oh, actually, uh, that that is what happened. My own mother enchanted me uh, to make me forget all of these things. <sighs> yeah, either- and then like, um, and then when his mom decides to, um, like, his mom is telling Kisiptati, you know, you can either believe her, you can either believe Maya, or you can believe me. And then, like, Kisiptai doesn't know what to do. And then when his mom tries to go and kill Maya, um, Kisiptai, like, grabs her hand and then, and then kills himself with, with, with a knife. He kills himself uh, at his mother, uh, which, again, uh, kind of throwback to, uh, to what uh, Ra- uh, Rati was uh, threatening to do to that rapist guy. Uh, super, uh, super brutal, but we're not done there, are we? Uh, Jordan. <laughs> The mother, shocked by what has happened and what she has done caused by her own hand, then kills herself by slitting her own throat, collapsing onto her son's corpse in a protective and loving embrace. Yes. Um, I I was wondering if this was something uh, that was written for the movie or if it was a cultural thing, like uh, some kind of uh, belief uh, about uh, killing yourself at somebody else as a way to really, you know, throw a fuck you at them. (laughs) I'm not sure about that, but I can't say I've encountered that uh, in any any Western cinema. Certainly not. (laughs) And then uh, a healthy baby is born, proving that the the curse has been lifted. The house is clean. It's like a happy ending, right? Happy ending, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, nobody wants to thank uh, Maya for actually ending the curse, which I thought was a little bit rude. Uh, so she, you know, is warily trying to escape before people change their mind and uh, attack her. And uh, in in a bit, you know, really uh, pretty directly uh, inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, she flags down a trucker and is, you know, kind of like... A, hysterically laughing as uh, she gets away in the back of the truck. Uh, And now she gets to go back to the city where she has no best friend, no job, no phone, (laughs) but she's alive. Yeah, uh, things suck. Uh, She tries to convince uh, Rati to come along with her, and she's like, no, things are going to suck for me there as well. So (laughs) it's just, it is what it is, man. 
but we we actually yeah, you know, uh, stick with a suck you know yeah uh and we we do uh, we are treated to an epilogue uh in this uh, in this film is that how you pronounce that word i've never said that word out loud i don't think I'm pretty sure it's epilogue. Okay, good. We're 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 doing great on this one, uh, Jordan. You you had some issues with this. What what were your uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, the epilogue is we're back in the village. Uh, happy couple uh, is pregnant. The wife goes out to use the bathroom and then looks in the mirror and sees the Kisaptari's mom is in the mirror. She starts to scream. Her baby has been ripped out of her and is being I. Yes, eaten by Kisaptari's mom. Oh yeah, she's possibly yeah, inside she, the mirror. Inside the mirrorverse. Yeah, she in the mirror eating that baby for real. Um, I, sorry, I mean, it's basically like she she's come back as like a vengeful ghost, right? And then she's gonna eat all the babies in the village from now on. That's uh, that's the vibe that I got from it. Yeah. Um, and in like in in the case of it being in the mirror as an epilogue type thing, like I immediately thought of this as like the end of uh, the original Candyman. Uh, I don't know if you uh, remember yeah, the ending of that movie in which uh, uh, Virginia Madsen becomes you know Bloody Mary. <laughs> it's uh, and you know uh, stabs her ex husband in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only seen the uh, the the. I guess it's not a remake; it's a sequel, right? The, uh, it's like the, the candy. sequel and a remake. Yeah, I I wasn't I didn't much care for the uh, the recent one. I thought uh, I I'd highly recommend you check out the original Candyman because it's definitely mm-hmm. a little bit more um, uh, artistically done than almost any other horror movie made in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. They have Philip mm-hmm. Glass doing the score. <laughs> oh shit! It's it looks great. It's it's a really surprisingly good movie. Um, and uh, again, I, I I first saw it when I was like ten. It scared the fucking piss out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jordan, you weren't you weren't such a fan of that epilogue. What what was what was uh what was getting your goat there? I just kind of feel like it was not out of nowhere, but uh, with the tone of the rest of the movie, it it didn't quite at least fit for me. Um, obviously it leaves things open for a sequel which is cool if that's what they want to do it's just kind of like parts of the movie had a little bit of supernatural in it obviously like there's ghost girls and there's curses but like a lot of the danger is like mostly coming from villagers trying to chase Maya down so it was kind of like is this really a supernatural horror movie is it more closer to just alone in the woods type stuff And, and you know it's a little bit of both I think I would have, if they were going to go with the the curses and the black magic and ancient sort of stuff, I kind of feel like there should have been more of that. And, you know, mm. just doesn't so, quite balance out as much as... So like more explicit uh, danger from, you know, super supernatural shit rather than, you know, maybe it's supernatural, maybe it's just a bunch of villagers losing their minds kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think you could have gone a bunch of different ways with the story, and I think this one's fine. Don't get me wrong. I just you could have had maybe more mystery with it. Like, mm-hmm. is this really black magic? Is this really weird curse stuff? Or you could have done yes, it's black magic. It's cursed stuff. Let's go all out. Let's have spooky spirits in the woods, and you know, it wasn't quite the tone of the movie because there was more humor in it and uh, more of a, a real physical danger with just crazy villagers with sharp knives and things like that mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you could have done different things with it and you know i think what they did was good um 
I just maybe was expecting something else. And just to end it with that sort of extreme magic, otherworldly sort of stuff kind of makes me wish they did more of that then. Mm. Like if if there is a mirror universe or something like that, why is this the first time we're seeing it? Like even with the girl spirits, the little girls, they were only in the movie for a little bit when you think about it. That's true. I, I think it's a similar thing that you were saying though. Like uh, the bits that they were in the film were, were very effective, and I think you gotta you gotta limit that. You gotta be very careful with the stuff that really works. Um, I liked I liked uh, the end of it, uh, the epilogue, simply because it was. It was kind of schlocky. It was very schlocky and very fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the concept of it, you know, and I, I like the effects they had for 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 the epilogue. So for me, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I get what you mean by maybe it totally doesn't like totally fit the rest of the movie. But um, I guess if if I just take it, you know, kind of as it is, I I, I liked that. I liked the bit at the end. Um, yeah, again, like a uh, mirror demon eating babies. That's pretty strong. I think you could make a, uh, if they do a sequel with that, I think, uh, I think that's a strong area to explore. Um, a couple of, a couple of fun facts about this movie. Um, uh, first of all, Joko Anwar, uh, contracted dengue fever, uh, the first day of shooting it. <laughs> Damn. So he's a true champ for carrying through and actually making this fucking thing. <laughs> that, that's a serious condition, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> like many, um, like many American soldiers have died from it. I know that. Yeah, we. I mean, it's a little bit helpful now that we have, like, uh, you know, uh, we've got treatments for it and such. It's a, it's a little bit better now than if you were in, say, like World War One. Uh, but it's still not something. Generally, you want to avoid dengue fever. <laughs> uh, that's a. Uh, you know, not like licensed medical advice, just throwing it out there. Uh, and number two, uh, this uh, this movie was submitted uh, on the, uh, by the part of Indonesia to the Academy Awards uh, as a selection for uh, for best foreign film, uh, and it was not accepted by those fucking herbs at the Academy Awards. Lots of drop monocles, I'm sure. Yeah, <sighs> fucking losers. Yeah, they. Man, I mean, it's like the fucking uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? I, they're not going to put fucking death or bolt thrower in rock and roll hall of fame even though you know they totally deserve to be there you might get lucky with metallica (laughs) (laughs) Uh, even metallica isn't in there yeah they're not in there jesus Uh, judas priest is getting in on like a technicality yeah it's like the, the fan's choice or something like that um and I, there's a couple of these guys. Like, uh, it was the last year that they're eligible. Same thing with like, uh, like the baseball Hall of Fame, right? Did they retire them? Yeah, if you have a certain amount of time to get in. Whatever, ten years, and if you don't get in on that last year, you will never get in. You, you have somehow missed your chance. You could live another thirty years, but uh, if you don't get it in a certain time frame, that's it. Tough luck. Uh, all of these institutions really should just be destroyed. Um, but you know, at the same time, I'm uh, I'm kind of glad that uh, we do live in a time where it's so easy to to see something like this. Just you know, 15 years ago, this shit would have been uh, unless it was like a you know a huge word of mouth thing, and you'd have to fucking torrent it on LimeWire or whatever. Uh, that that you can you know log on to a well known uh, streaming app and find this now. Uh, that's that is really actually pretty special. 
you'd have to have that one weird friend who is obsessed with horror movies and they have a, a dub of a rip of a copy of a VHS. And, and this is after them trying to show you all the guinea pig movies. <laughs> you don't want, and then you don't want to be friends with them anymore. That's how it always goes. Um, have you seen the have you actually watched any of the guinea pigs i have seen one of them i was uh it was like this is not even a movie this is this is nothing (laughs) (laughs) i i've seen clips from i think the second one which is the one with like the uh the samurai dude chopping up something oh yeah again that's not even that's not a fucking movie that's just like little shock bits it's stupid all of it's stupid it's for nerds (laughs) (laughs) um but I'm I'm, know, I'm really uh, I'm really pretty stoked on this one uh, that you shared it with us, and I, I want to go back and uh, and watch Satan Slaves and uh, get ready for the sequel. It's coming out apparently any day now. Um, I actually didn't enjoy Satan Slaves as much as Impetigor, I think. Really? But yeah, but I, I feel like um like like the, like that kind of family drama sort of thing doesn't really appeal to me in the same way that. You know, I mean, this Impetigor feels like a genre film, but, you know, just from a very different perspective than we're used to from watching, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or whatever's come out of Hollywood. Um, whereas, um, I guess Satan's Slaves feels like it could have been made anywhere. You know, it's feels like it's just a family drama kind of movie and um it's just not that interesting whereas with impetigor i feel like i'm watching something i haven't ever seen before well i guess i guess i'm gonna have to keep that in mind i still haven't seen it so i'll i'll uh i'll have to think about this we have ripped to shreds new album coming out new tours coming out is there anything else we could look forward to from you oh uh yes new hokago grind time um november 4th yeah for folks that are not familiar can you describe hokuku uh, that is that 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 is uh anime gore grind mm-hmm. unfortunately this time i don't have new body pillow merch for it but um it, it's you know it's uh pitch shifters it's super fast blast beats um you know i got a bunch of sick friends to contribute some guest vocals or solos like a a Keijo from Rotten Sound or Dan from Archigathis or Pharmacist. No, there's kind of like fun for the whole family there. (laughs) Folks, keep up to date with uh, Andrew Online. Where where should folks follow you to get all the information on your music? Um, I think they can either... Uh, probably the best place is either my Instagram because I kind of like cross post all my stuff on there or you know you can, <laughs> you can just look at my metal archives page because someone <laughs> will add this stuff there eventually <laughs> is that weird just having somebody add all your shit for you <laughs> it's convenient for me yeah I, I imagine so I just I imagine I'd be weirded out if somebody was like oh I'm keeping tabs on me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, there you go, folks. Uh, Instagram or uh, or Metal Archives, that works too. Uh, Andrew, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and for recommending this one for us. And uh, you know, folks out there, uh, get ready for a new Rip to Shreds album. I know that we're all looking forward to it. For sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. 
All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. Bye.
You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.